I'm going to teach tonight if y'all don't care. Is that all right if I teach a little bit of the Bible? I'd, I'd love it if you move it a little bit. I'll knock that thing out, kick that thing. I get all excited and start running. I, run, I like to run the pews when it gets going real nice. I bet you do wish I would. How many of you, like, um, you've, ever, you've ever just been reading the Bible and you feel like something that you're reading just totally comes alive to you? It's not like you're just reading your daily devotions, but you read something and it just comes to life to you and it speaks directly into your situation. Anybody ever experienced that reading the Bible? Amen. That's something, you know, there's even different words for, in the Greek language, for what we have in the Bible. We have logos, we have rhema. Uh, there's even there's even just another word for scripture itself, uh, but but logos is the written word of God. Rama is when the word of God speaks directly to a situation. It's the freshly spoken word of God. It's when the Holy Spirit illuminates the word for you and speaks into your life in that moment. It's a now word. Uh, how many of you you feel like? You've, you feel like in some sense God has spoken directly to you and you feel like you've heard the voice of the Lord as an impression. I'm not, I'm not talking about the audible voice of God. Maybe you have heard that. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Uh, I know some people say that they have and I don't have anything against that. Uh, but, but most of the time God speaks to us in impressions. How many of you, uh, you've, you've got an impression from the Holy Spirit and you've, you've come to know and be aware, okay, I feel like God's speaking to me. Now how many of you, you have received what would be considered a prophetic word or somebody gave you a word and you knew in that moment this is from the Lord. Anybody ever had that? Yeah. How many of you just like, I don't know about prophecy. That seems kind of weird to me. I'm not sure about all that. Anybody be bold enough to raise their hand? Got one right here. It's like, I'm not going to raise my hand, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not down with it. Um, so I want to I speak about prophecy tonight because here's the thing. You know, sometimes when things happen in a church, you know, people will say, well, that's weird. That's, that's weird. And usually the things that happen in a church, not all the time. Now, some things that happen are actually weird. Y'all ever been in church, something happens, it's like, it's like legitimately weird. Okay, yes, yeah, sometimes things happen and people do stuff and it's just weird. But sometimes what people call weird is actually a genuine move of the Holy Spirit and it should actually be normal Christianity. Amen. Amen. I mean, I'll amen myself tonight. So have you ever asked yourself, what does normal Christianity look like, right? Because if, you, if you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John like we've been reading, and then you move into the book of Acts, you're reading things that often you don't see in our world. More, more or less in our church society, what is normal is everybody comes in, remains very quiet, very unanimated, sort of bored, and then, and then like we hear a few songs, and we hear a word preached, and we go to the house. And maybe, I mean, like if, it, if we just, something wild happens, we witness to one person within the year. And we think that's normal Christianity. Can I tell you that is not normal Christianity? Normal Christianity is when a group of believers get so filled with the promise of God that they're willing to follow up on what Jesus said and they wait in Jerusalem, right, for 10 days praying together in an upper room waiting for the promise of God the Father until the Holy Spirit falls on them and moves them in such a way that they were once afraid that they might be put to death but they're driven out of the walls of the church that they were in, so to speak, or the building that they were in and they proclaim the gospel with power and conviction sets on everything 
every heart so that 3,000 people are saved. And then all of a sudden, signs and wonders start breaking out. People are delivered from demons. The sick are healed. Crippled people walk. And signs follow these people on a regular basis, on a daily basis. You have people giving prophetic words from the Lord. And, and all of these things are going on. So like when we have uh, tongues and interpretation in a church, somebody might say, well, that's weird. I don't know about that. But biblically, if you read the Bible and you believe in it, it is normal Christianity. Okay? So, so what I'm saying is, is that we have been, if, if normal Christianity is right here. Now, don't get me wrong. Here's, here's the fear, and I have the same fear. I have the same fear that when we move toward normal Christianity, people get weird because they do, don't they? But let me ask you this. Is it worth throwing out what Scripture says we have available to us because some people will bring a counterfeit and get weird? Like, here's, here's my example. Like, I've had people give me prophetic words that weren't no more from God than if, than if the devil himself had come up and spoke to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I've had people give bad prophetic words. I've heard people even in this church give bad prophetic words that I've had to correct and say, you need to hold that off. You need to probably talk to the person you said that to, and let's clear that up because it's no good. Okay? So, so, but just because people do that, or just because a bunch of people prophesied that Donald Trump would get reelected and he didn't, right? <laughs> Somebody amen me. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of weird out there. I get it. And, and just because you've been to church services before where everybody's speaking in tongues and it's wild and, and there's no order and, there, and it's just chaos doesn't mean that necessarily tongues and interpretation isn't for today and it shouldn't be used properly, right? So y'all with me, right? So, so here's the thing is we want to always be a church where we find the balance based on the Word of God. Not, well, I'm afraid of that because I've seen other people mishandle it. No, God, how do you say it ought to function and Holy Spirit help us to do that? And that's so important because so many people get afraid of it because something has been misused and they relegate themselves to just their own strength, really, their own power. And they're not, they're not expecting God to move in their lives in any profound, powerful way to minister in the Spirit like Jesus and the disciples. I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but we're followers of Jesus. So, so he says, you know, the works that I do... He who believes on me, you'll do these works and even greater works than, than these will he do because I go to my Father. And that's a, that's a hard one for us to understand, but he's speaking about the body of Christ coming into what God has for us. So I wanted to speak about prophecy. And here's the thing. When we talk about prophecy before we move anywhere, because here's, here's the danger, here's the pitfall of prophecy, is that some people can get to looking for a word so much. When prophecy starts happening in a church, it's like, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word, I need a word. Let me give you a word. It's right here. This is the word that you need. You don't need me to come up and prophesy to you. you don't, the first thing you need in your life is the written word of God. And never get that twisted because when you become a weird church is when you emphasize somebody prophesying over the written word of God. Never elevate any of the gifts of the Spirit or anything else or any gift that any man can bring above the written word of God. It is the standard and the benchmark of all prophetic revelation and everything submits to it. Amen. So when we come to the Word of God, everything is, if you, if you got real fancy with it, got real theological, you call it inscripturated prophetic revelation. Because you know, everything written in here is prophecy. Everything is divine utterance. Everything is, is Word spoken from God Himself through men. That's prophecy. When God inspires a man to speak, in essence, that is prophecy. 
all of this is prophecy, but it is inscripturated. That means it becomes the written Word of God that will last eternally from generation to generation. It is the purest form of prophecy. It can never be judged. It judges you. If I get up and say, I feel like the Lord said this to me, or if I even interpret a tongue and say, says the Lord, guess what? It must be judged. It is not the written word of God. It, has, it doesn't have the same value. It doesn't have the same quality. It does not have the same authority. Nobody can get up and say, the Lord told me this, and we believe that it's 100% accurate. Yeah. We don't believe that. Right. We believe this is 100% accurate, and everything that everybody says, and whenever you, listen, when you say the Lord told me, I immediately perk up because I'm going to check you on it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't just, just because a person said the Lord told me, it means absolutely nothing to me. Matter of fact, people who tend to say the Lord told me might tend more toward fallacy and error than somebody who doesn't. I, I like people to, to, to question those things a little bit and, 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 and go into it knowing that God speaks, but careful about how they say that because you don't want to speak on behalf of the Lord presumptuously and misspeak representing God. Yeah, right? That's right? Amen. Amen. So 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture, all this Scripture right here, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, Praise God. Everybody loves a good rebuke. Correcting. You know, some people come to church. I remember a couple people have told me in the past I've preached. They're just like, man, like, when are you going to preach an encouraging word? I was like, dude, what are you talking about? This is the most encouraging stuff you can get a hold of because it's rebuking you and it's correcting you and training you in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? And so it's impossible for me to overstate the value of Scripture. And this is why this, in the summer shred, what we've done is we've said, hey, we're reading at least three chapters a day of the New Testament going through this thing. It is impossible for me to overstate the value of you reading this book for yourself. Yeah. I could never do it. I could sit and talk about it week after week after week, and I could never. When I got a hold of this book is when I got convicted of sin, the Holy Spirit started to work in my life. Until I started reading this, the Holy Spirit was not able to do the full work that He needed to do in my life. So the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your life, but you limit Him from doing the full work because you will not open His Word. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So He's saying, yeah, I want to speak to you, but I don't just speak in a vacuum. Here's the primary way that I want to speak to you. This is the primary means by which I want to speak. Romans 16, 25 through 27, it says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through what? The prophetic writings. These are the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. So this is actually given. These are prophetic writings given so that you and I, who are Gentiles, whether you believe it or not, might come to obedience through faith in Christ. And that's how we come to it, through the Word of God. So the canon of Scripture, the Bible is complete. You know, if, you, if you're a Mormon or I th I, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, I remember one time they sent, Mormons sent me a big book in the mail. And it's all of these prophetic revelations that these guys have spoken. They put that on the same authority and value as Scripture itself. That cannot be done. Nobody ever gets up and prophesies and put, this is finished, it is complete, cannot be added to or taken away 
It is the eternal, written, authoritative Word of God, and nothing will ever measure up to that. This is the benchmark and the standard by which we judge everything else that everybody else ever speaks. But there, there, there's been a level change in inspiration. And let me, let me try to explain that, because if we talk about prophetic words, and it can really be something simple. You know, this week I had, how many of you have ever had dreams and you feel like, man, I think that might have been from the Lord? Amen, right? Um, the Bible says that God speaks once, even twice, yet man does not hear him. This is Job 32. He says, but in visions of the night when men are slumbering upon their beds, he opens their heart to seal up instruction in their heart to keep them from the pit and to warn them of, of, of things to come. And I can tell you in my life, Multiple times God has given me a dream in which he has sealed instruction. And the other, one of the other things, if you notice, if you, again, if you're a Bible believer, what happens over and over again throughout Scripture? You see Joseph, what does Joseph do? People bring him dreams, he interprets them accurately, doesn't he? That's a type of prophecy. People bring Daniel dreams. Matter of fact, the king once told Daniel, I don't just want you to interpret my dream. I want you to tell me the dream that I had. Daniel said, son, you're going to have to let me pray. Like, how, how am I going to He comes back, he tells him the dream that he had, and then he gives him the interpretation. See, that's a gift of prophecy as well, the ability to do that. So this past week, you know, sometimes people send me dreams. And I had like three people send me dreams this past week. And, and, I, felt, and I prayed about it. I always pray about it. If I don't feel like I get anything, then I, don't, then I don't necessarily give anything. If I feel like I get something from the Lord and I can see something in there, I'll speak to them. But in both situations, you know, this past week, I spoke and it felt like the nail was hit in both situations. And when you're talking about the spirit of prophecy, it's almost like all, it, it's a bubbling up of insight. Like you have, a, you have a revelation and awareness and there's a bubbling up of insight that God gives and you speak it. Of course, you're not saying, hey, the Lord told me this beyond a shadow of a doubt. I say this is something that I'm sensing from the spirit. Let's pray about it. Let's test it. Let's see if it works. But in one situation, I'll just share uh, one person had sent me this dream. I told him we, we had kind of come to an agreement on it that it was about a specific person. But to be honest with you, I even said to her, I said, now I'm not 100% clear on this, but you know, I feel like this is kind of right. And then a day later or so, I was eating tater chips in the kitchen. And as I'm eating tater chips, a, a phrase just dropped down into my spirit and I immediately took my phone out and I texted the phrase to her and then I started eating tater chips again. And she didn't even say anything back, but then she ended up coming back to me a couple days later and she said, just since, we, since I shared that dream with you, a door has been opened to speak directly to this person. And when I shared her this stuff, I was able to use that phrase. It spoke directly to the situation. The point being is you can be sensitive to the Spirit when you're eating tater chips. And the Lord can speak to us in a multiplicity of ways. That dream and the interpretation of that dream and a phrase dropped in a moment was able to speak to this person's heart to open a door in a season in her life where she really needed to hear from the Lord. So if she's not, you know, who knows what people are doing? But my point is, is you can hear from the Lord for people in order to lead them to Jesus, to strengthen them in their faith. And it's important that you're open to what, how the Lord may speak. And, I, and here's the thing. That's not weird. That's biblically normal. But that does not mean that we can get weird with it just because it is biblically normal. Because when th these things happen, number one, you've got to test it. Does it contradict the Word of God on any point? Does it contradict the Word of God? See, if, if I'm talking about, like, like even if I have a dream, 
uh, or, 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 or I'll send it to two guys that I know. I'll say, what do you think about this? If somebody sends me a dream, I send it to at least one other guy, and I say, tell me what you think about this. Because I think all, when, here's the thing, nobody has authority greater than God himself. And here's the thing, God is not going to get five Christian believers together and speak something differently that contradicts one another. See, one of the ways that we interpret truth is we come together in community and we find agreement together as the Spirit confirms and bears witness. And if, you, if, you're, if he's saying something totally different to you than he is the rest of the body of Christ, you could be the problem. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so it, secondly, is it of the right Spirit? Does it convey the truth? And do, when somebody gives a word... You know, I always tell the joke. I've said it a million times because it always comes to my mind. But one time there was a guy that said he was in a church service and a woman went back to him and she, she sort of put her hand on her shoulder and get, did one of them goofy tongues and said, Ta, 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 there is trouble in thy marriage. He said, you got the wrong pew. I ain't married. <laughs> you know, so, so I mean, amen. I, I mean, that, that, that speaks for itself. But is it of the right spirit? Does it, does it convey the goodness of God? Does it bring confusion? Uh, does it bring anxiety? Does it bring fear? It should come to bring peace and build them up and strengthen them and encourage them. What spirit is it from? How is it being conveyed? And that's not to say, you know, even there are times in, in the New Testament where prophets, like for example, Agabus in the New Testament in the book of Acts was a prophet. And in that particular circumstance, he wasn't operating in the gift of prophecy so much as he was operating as a prophet. And he warned Paul, you're going to Jerusalem and you are going to your death. Now what's interesting about that prophecy is Paul took heed to the prophecy and said, I'm going anyway. So it wasn't even necessarily a prophecy to say don't go. It was a prophecy just saying this is what's going to happen. You're going to Jerusalem and you're going to die there. And he showed him that he was going to be bound up. Now that, that, that functions differently. Sometimes you have a prophet that may function in a way where he will warn you. Okay, There's been certain times in my life specifically that I've, I'm, not, I'm not calling myself a prophet. I'm just saying that I've had dreams where the Lord has given me a specific warning to people. And what's so interesting is each time that I've come to them, I've come to them in love, I've come to them in grace, and I've said, here's what the, I feel like the Lord is saying. This is the dream that I had. I want you to think about it. And you know what they said? You're exactly right. I am doing that. This is what's happening. So, so it was in love. It was never to expose. I didn't share it to, with anybody else. You know what I'm saying? But it was in love God was revealing something to somebody he could trust in order to help this person. So I'm, I'm, that can happen. That's just not generally what should happen. Uh, so there's different levels of authority to prophetic revelation. And let me say this. There's, there's four distinguishing factors between what we basically call Scripture, which is inscripturated prophecy, and then prophecy that's given today just among people. And, and you know, here's the thing. If you come from most church backgrounds, Baptist, Methodist, uh, Presbyterian, y'all don't believe in this. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I get that. I get that. But I want to take you through Scripture and let's let the Bible be the judge of whether or not we, we should accept this or receive it or not. Amen. Amen. Okay, so number one, we do not judge the prophecy of Scripture. We believe it. So, if, like I said, if somebody comes to me and gives me a prophetic word, I judge it. 
I weigh it. Is this from the Lord? I pray about it. Does it bear witness with my spirit? Because people have given me words that have really set the course for something in my life, and it's been from the Lord. And then on the other hand, there's been people giving me words, and I'm like, this ain't from the Lord. And, uh, and, so, and I know that can be difficult, but that's why they, they give us some scriptural guidelines. And here's the thing. We do not judge the prophecy of Scripture. We believe it. So when you come to the Bible, you don't get to judge it. Now, it, it judges you. And we live in a culture and in an hour where everybody's trying to twist Scripture. And even, but here's the thing. We go back to thousands of years of church history, how people have interpreted the Bible for millennia now, how Jesus has interpreted it, how Irenaeus in the year 100, how St. John of the Cross in the year 100, how all these different guys throughout history, John Calvin, John Wesley, how did they interpret Scripture for all these years? What did they see in it? Because guess what? We, we, we are not smarter than them. So, so I want, and then we want to go to the context of Scripture, who was writing it, who were they writing it to. And this is why it's important to have teachers in, in the house of God to teach Scripture. It's why good study Bibles are helpful because it's good to know who's writing it, who they're writing to in the time that they're writing it in. That's why sometimes we preach through books of the Bible like First Peter and I give you the context. They're in the Roman Empire in the year 67. Nero is the emperor. So it makes sense why he's saying what he's saying. So we get that kind of interpretation, but there are moments when God takes a word that was written in a certain context to a certain people at a certain time, and he brings life on it, and he speaks it now to us. So it's not just for them anymore. It's, he even says, Paul even says, all these things were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. He's saying, really, if you want to sum it up, yeah, they all wrote it to the people in their time, but you want to know who it's really written for? The Christians who would have the full revelation of Christ Jesus. He says they're written for us. We receive the fullness of the inheritance in Christ. And so they're written for us. But we are encouraged to carefully evaluate prophecy given in the church and to hold fast to that which is good. So 1 Corinthians 14, 29, basically it says like when you're in the church, he says two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. So sometimes what we have, we have prayer nights on these nights, right? And we give an open mic, don't we? Like, we're wild. That's a scary thing to give an open mic. Anybody get up and say anything? And, and, and can I tell you, as bad as I would hate to, like, there's some things that I honestly let go. I'm just like, you know what? It ain't worth it. I'm going to let that one go. But if somebody were to bring damage through the words that they speak to this body, I will let you know. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. A shepherd has to protect his sheep. If somebody gets up and speaks damage... Then, then it has to be dealt with. So, so two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. New King James Version, it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So we're weighing what's being said. But what you often find is like somebody will get up and they'll even say something like, well, here's what I saw. But it hits somebody right in the heart. And they'll even say, man, that spoke directly to me what I was going through. I don't know how many times I've heard just like, for example, they'll be leading worship and somebody on the worship team will just say, you know, this is the, they might even tell a story. It may even be a testimony. But then they'll say, I just feel like this is for somebody. And somebody will always come to me and say, you do not know how that hit me right in my heart. That's prophetic. Okay? And it doesn't have to be weird. They didn't say, yeah, 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 thus saith the Lord. They didn't say shimmy tie tie before it. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just said, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21, notice this. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. 
Hold fast what is good. So that's interesting, isn't it? Why would anybody despise prophecies? See, I tell you one reason you despise prophecies. If you've ever been a part of a church where everybody's prophesying all the time and they prophesy, as we used to call it. You ever been prophesied to? I told you one time I went to a church where I'd been pro prophesied like five wives. I'm like, boys, did we turn Mormon all of a sudden? Like, what, what happened in here? Something, somebody ain't prophesying accurately. Amen. Y'all ain't even laughing tonight. But don't despise prophecies because you could get to a point where people do it so often and they're just grasping at straws and it's carrying no weight anymore because everybody wants to prophesy. And then he says you get to a point where it's like, oh my gosh, another prophecy. Another prophecy from that person. Amen. And what he's saying is, now listen, just because everybody's getting all up in it and they're excited about it, don't start despising it. Instead, test everything and see what is good in the prophecy and hold on to it for yourself. Paul even told Timothy, he said, fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands by the prophecy that was spoken over you. That's what he said. And then he told him, basically, he said, hold fast to the prophecies. This is in one of the letters that he wrote to Timothy. Hold fast to the prophecies that, I, that have been spoken over you so that you may, they may see your profiting and your growth. So he's saying one of the ways that you're going to war, like sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I can go back to certain things that have been spoken over me. I told y'all a story when I was at that pastor's conference in 2020 and it, I had just taken over pastoring here and I was literally in my mind thinking, I was down there with a bunch of pastors and they're like, buddy, we got 12,000 people in our church. We got 100 people on staff, bro. And I, and I was like, how, how many people you got on staff? I'm like, one? It's, it's me. It's me. <laughs> I'm the guy. And, uh, and, and they're talking about budgets and how much money they got and all this stuff. And I was just like, what am I even doing here? I'm depressed. And, and, and we, we entered into worship and a guy stood up on the platform and, he, and, he, and literally he's standing there. And he did know me, so it's not like he just grabbed my name, name out of a hat. He, we had met, but he said in that moment when I was kind of at a weak point thinking, I just thought I'd like to get out of here. He, he just, during worship, he grabbed the microphone. He said, Clay Bishop, you're down there in Manchester, Kentucky, basically thinking, how are we going to get the resources we need to do what we need to do in this place? And God says that he's placed you there. And if you would quit worrying about how you're going to do it and start doing what God called you to do, God says he'll send you the resources that you need. He'll send you the people that he needs because he's, he's, he's called you to do a work. And he said a few other things, but man, it just breathed fresh life into me. So when I get down and discouraged, what can I do? I've got that thing written down somewhere. I can go back and revisit it and remind myself of the time that God spoke to me at a weak point. So that's why, that's why sometimes so like well, even, even if we're over here in a small group, we'll set somebody down in a seat and just say, hey, let's just test it out. Let's test the waters. What, what might God say to this person through us? And usually when we do it in our small group, man, we've seen people break down in tears because God is speaking directly to them in that moment. And if you look at, look at everything, like, I remember one time, we, we, we was, I think we was praying for Will back there, and somebody got, got his first car that he ever had. Like they saw, they saw it in an image. Well, see, that's enough to open your heart, isn't it? He said, that's the first car I had. It was a red convertible or whatever. I don't know. Anyway. So don't despise prophecy, but here's the thing. Paul sees the possibility for a mixture in prophecy now. In the Old Testament... Men and, men, men and even women of God, Deborah, for example, were moved by God to speak into a situation and they were commanded to speak this word of the Lord. 
Now it is, it's slightly different. Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophecy is different for a specific reason. Because here's the thing. Now there were false prophets in the Old Testament too that were not moved by the word of the Lord, right? And then when they got it wrong, they got it wrong, son. And they were false prophets, period. Now you can, you can if you, you venture into that place where you speak falsely and you contradict God's word continually, continually, you may end up in that false prophet category. That's why you got to be careful with it. But here's the thing. When we talk about prophecy, he says there's room for mixture and there's room for error because get this, guess what? I don't know if you realize this or not. We're fallible people. The question is, are you open to correction? That's why sometimes if I give a word to somebody and I'm not sure, I'll say, let me just test this out. This is the impression that I'm getting. I may be wrong because I'm not saying verbatim, this is the word of the Lord, you submit to it. It's different. That's why it can be judged. Now, he says, judge it, weigh it. If it ain't no good, throw it out. He doesn't say, rebuke the person, call them a false prophet, and kick them out of the church. Right? He doesn't say that. Somebody said, well, you know, I went to a church one time. They spoke in tongues and there wasn't any interpretation. Oh, my gosh. Do you get, guess what? You're in a room full of fallible people. Somebody could have missed the tongue and give it early, or somebody could have missed the interpretation. It happens. Big whoop. At least they're trying. <laughs> people get so hung up over stuff like that. And what I'm saying is in a healthy environment, in certain settings... People can take risks, and it's okay if they get it wrong as long as in a healthy environment we say, I don't think that's the Lord. You know, that right there feels good, though. I, I sense the spirit on that, right? That's the Lord. And I know that's weird. Everybody gets spooked out by that. But that's, that's what biblical, if you're going to grow into it and learn to hear from the voice of the Lord and actually learn to just be eating tater chips and get something dropped in your spirit that speaks into somebody's situation, right, then, then you have to be open to it. You have to be open to the impressions of the Lord. So two, people who minister in these gifts, they exercise control over their spirit and can withhold or release what they are receiving at their discretion. What do I mean by that? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31 through 33, it says, For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion but of peace. Now get this, anybody who operates in any spiritual gift, they never lose control. There's this, like if you, if you come from a Pentecostal background, sometimes you might, you might get it in your mind because sometimes they portray it that way, that when the Holy Spirit comes, you lose control. You don't, now, now don't get me wrong, the Holy Spirit's powerful. One time, you know, in my life, he made, he made my body so weak that I fell down on the floor, okay? Like, that happened. Now, I was still physically able to stand back up because I wasn't a good Pentecostal. And I didn't know you were supposed to lay there. So, so I got back up, you know. And I said, whoa. Feels like I've been doing squats. I wasn't a trained Pentecostal. I didn't know you were supposed to really go with it, you know? <laughs> I didn't know. My, my point being is the Holy Spirit can do some very powerful things that you are not used to. He can. Absolutely. But when the gifts of the Spirit come and somebody tells me I lost control, ah, the Spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Don't tell me you lost control. Don't even tell me you lost control when you spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke I can choose to speak. I can choose not to speak. The Spirit's the one who gives the utterance, but I have the choice. 
I'm in control. I can quench the spirit. I can say yes. I can say no. I can be... I can have an impression from the Spirit. I can have a word from the Lord that is bubbling up sometimes for weeks. I had a, wor- I had a word I felt like for a person there not long ago, and, and, and I thought, well, Lord, you know, if they come to church t- tonight, then, then I'll give it to them. Well, they didn't come, so they weren't there. I said, okay, so I put it on the back burner. About three weeks later, I saw them, and it was the right time, and I felt it bubble up again. But see, you know, you... The point being is it's subject to the prophets. That means that, you, that, that you're in control. You don't ever lose control. You can give it or not give it at your discretion. You can understand. You can discern the right time and the wrong time at when to give this. And that's why he says he's not the author of confusion but of peace. That means that if one prophet is sitting here and feels like he has a word from the Lord, guess what? He can wait till the other person finishes. If somebody manifests a gift in tongues, usually they feel the gift come up in them and they feel the full manifestation, but they can actually wait until appropriate timing. They can. Everybody who's ever operated in the gift, I I know. I used to operate in the same gift. They can wait to the appropriate timing. Right? Now, let me say this since I'm I'm honest. How many many were here at the 9 a.m. service a few weeks ago where we actually had a tongue and interpretation? Right? How many of you think, man, that's pretty cool, I like that? How many of you are like, man, this is goofy, I hate it? Oh, I was going, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I know, like, when I say that, everybody's like, well, I, I do, but I ain't going to raise my hand. No, I'm kidding. So, but, but here's the thing, you know, Caitlin had felt the manifestation, and at the right time, she, she brought forth that tongue. And then, and then for me, as soon as she starts speaking, the I've had that gift for, for a little while, but here's what it feels like. I get, I mean, I, t- I told Jeremy earlier, I could, I could be walking in from out of the back of the room and not even know what's going on and hear that, and, and it is just as strong. It's just boom. It's like this on me. And, and I, what I do is I close my eyes and I yield. And in that moment, I'm telling you, I'm not even thinking about what to say. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. As soon as I feel it, I have no idea what I'm going to say. Now, and, and it's, not, it's not that I couldn't probably mess up because guess what? We're still fallible people. It doesn't mean that everything that comes out of my mouth is going to be flawless. It still needs to be judged because it's still coming through a broken vessel who, who is very tired at 9 a.m. and ain't, surely ain't had enough coffee. But if, if we're sensitive and we flow well with it, right, it, it comes out in a certain way. And here's the other thing I was telling Jeremy about this because sometimes... When somebody gives a message in tongues, I do it a very particular way. You ever notice? Like if you were there and you heard it, I speak very boldly, I speak loudly, and I speak in a certain way where it's, it's straight from the Lord, and I say, this is, says the Lord is what I'll say. Now, sometimes I don't necessarily think that's the way that you have to or even should do it. It's just the way that I feel right about doing it. Because it's very possible that somebody could give a, a tongue and a person get an interpretation and sense the manifestation of the Spirit and just simply want to come up and say, here's what I feel like the Lord's saying. Or, or I saw that. It doesn't have to be the same way with each person. Do you understand what I'm saying? For me, that's how the gift functions. For you, it may function in a different way. You may be listening and the, and the Lord drops something into your spirit. But generally speaking, biblically, He says... Let two or three speak in tongues in a service and let another interpret. Generally speaking, that is, that's how it should function. Okay? Right? Is this good? Is this all right? Y'all ever heard anything like this? 
So they can, they can withhold or release whatever they want to at their discretion. Um, number three, the main thrust of present-day prophetic utterance has the purpose to stir up, build up, and cheer up. So 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now, I don't know about you, but like even on, even on that, that uh, Sunday morning when that word came forth, like even after, I, I was built up by it. Like I was encouraged. I was like, oh, man, the, the Lord has spoken. He's, he's confirming something in our midst. So here's the thing. Most biblical prophecy was predictive or it was ethical. It's basically a man coming up and saying, you guys need to repent. You're li living wrong, and God's going to bring judgment. Right? That was a that's a type of prophecy in the Old Testament. And then other types of prophecy are predictive. There's over 300 prophecies that we know about the, birth, the, the, the coming of Jesus Christ. They prophesied, they foretold how he was going to die on the cross, that it was predictive. Now, I'm not, I still think that there can be elements of predictive prophecy in our world today. I've seen some people do that, but I do think in the body of Christ, it's rare that you see on a, it's, it's not a common occurrence that a word of prophecy is very predictive. You know what I'm saying? And I think you should be very careful whenever you start prophesying somebody marrying somebody or somebody dating somebody or somebody having a baby. You got to be careful with stuff like that because don't prophesy what you want to happen. Prophesy what the Spirit is speaking. Right? What, what is the Spirit saying? And, and put that up under Scripture. Do not prophesy what you want to happen. You'll get people in a bind. And, and, and so you have to be sensitive to that, but, but you, you leave, not to say that I've not prophesied in some of those realms, maybe, probably more in the baby realm, amen. Uh, number four, all believers today who are baptized in the Holy Spirit have the ability to pray and hear from God on certain levels. So in the Old Testament, people would actually go to the prophets to inquire, wouldn't they? Like they'd be like, you know, we need to fight this battle. Well, let's go talk to the prophets. You know, let's, let's, go, let's go hear from the prophets. So they'd call the prophet in. He'd seek the Lord. He'd give a word from the Lord on what they should do. In the new covenant, you have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit where you actually now can hear from the Lord for yourself. Now, he, again, he gives you the Bible. He gives you the body of Christ. He gives you your brothers and sisters that you can share what's going on with so that they can hear for you together and they can pray for you and they can discern corporately. But, but we all have the ability to receive. Most of God's covenant people back then did not have the Holy Spirit and they couldn't hear from God for themselves like you and I could. But we ourselves, we can pray and we can be in relationship with God and, and, and get nudges and inspiration from the Lord so that we hear from the Lord on a certain level. And He may even speak to us about particular situations or particular people. Or see... Least, at the very least, you have a sensitivity to a person or something like that, and you're drawn to them, and God gives you a scripture to give them. Like, it's something as small as that can function in prophecy, because what if that is the scripture that just gives them exactly what they need for that day to carry on at the moment that they need it? And so this is a big part of, of what scripture says. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, you remember in the book of Numbers where Moses is wore out, it's, it's actually in chapter 11. Moses is wore out. I think I put it up there, but it's a lot of scripture. So anyway, basically, 
They gathered the elders around. The Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to them. He took some of the spirit that was on Moses and he put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, what did they do? They prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. Even in the New Testament, do you remember in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit would fill people, they would speak in tongues and prophesy. Like there, there's this, you see this, this couplet of, of these things taking place even in the book of Acts. And it says, but they did not continue doing it. Now, two men re remained in the camp, one named Eldad, the other named Medad. If I have twin boys, you better believe it. <laughs> and the Spirit rested on them. And they were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. And so they prophesied in the camp. And the young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord, Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. He said, would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Now, you all know I've said it several times. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit is in you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. He shall be with you always, right? He indwells you. But Jesus said that whenever he was departing, the Holy Spirit is with you. He shall be in you. And then in Acts, he says when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's three different prepositions. With you, in you, upon you. At salvation, the Holy Spirit indwells you. But see, in our relationship with God, guess what? There are times and there are moments in our relationship with God. The Holy Spirit's always indwelling me, and sometimes I'm not feeling anything, but He's always there. And He can give me nudges or whatever. But there are moments when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. He lives in me on a daily basis... For my sake, he comes upon me for your sake. That's important to note. Because the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you for the purpose. He comes in you for the purpose of salvation and sanctification. He comes upon you for the purpose of ministering to others in power. Because I'm going to tell you something. If the Holy Spirit did not come upon me, I would not be preaching to you today. It ain't in my nature. I never desired it. I don't like standing in front of people. I don't even want you to know who I am. Amen. But he comes upon me for your sake. And, and, and I've learned to discern that. But here's what he said. He said, would that all the Lord's people were prophets. And even in the New Testament, he says, you may all prophesy one by one. Now, that doesn't mean you're all prophets, but it does mean that you all have access to this. This was a, this was a prefiguring of what would happen in the new covenant when the Spirit was poured out on all believers. Y'all still good? Let me say this to you. Prophecy is what you look like to Jesus. When the spirit of prophecy comes on a person and, 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 and they sense a word for a person, what you find oftentimes is, is that you are stricken with compassion for that person. And all of a sudden you see them differently than anybody else sees them. Like I, I, I can remember times when, when I've, been, I've been at a place or something like that and maybe even somebody I didn't know. And I just, I looked at them and the Holy Spirit comes on me and starts to move my heart toward them. And I speak over them some of the most gracious and kind and loving words that I, I can't even come up with. So I'm not even that kind of a person. You know what I'm saying? So that comes from somewhere other than me. And then when I get done, somebody will come up to me and say, dude, that ain't that person. But you know what I say? That's the way the Holy Spirit sees them. That's the way Jesus sees them. 
And what you're doing when you prophesy is you're calling out in them who Christ says they are. And sometimes we're covered up in such a false identity and so many lies about ourselves that if the Word of God ever broke through into our heart, that shell would just crack wide open because you would finally realize that God doesn't hate you. He's not angry at you. He doesn't see you as disgusting. He doesn't see you as less than. He doesn't see you as a failure. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And the prophetic word is when somebody gets a hold of how Jesus sees you. And what an honor it is to speak over a person about their God-given destiny, about, about who God is calling them to be. What an honor. I cannot think of a greater honor in this world than to get a word from heaven, the almighty creator, to entrust me to speak life into a person. And to say, this is what God has for you. This is the way that God sees you. This is the plans that he has for you. And speak that over their life as tears fall from their face and they know this is God speaking to me. Man, what, there's no greater honor that I can think of. But here's the thing. The gift of prophecy, I'm going to skip a few things. It's one of the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. And there's kind of two schools of thought on how the, the Spirit distributes the gifts. One, one idea is like the gift is, is resident in a believer and you can operate in it and will do so regularly as you are in prayer and abiding in Christ and relying on the Holy Spirit. And the other is that the Spirit may give any believer any gift at any time he chooses. So here's what I'll say. For what it, so I think that any believer can operate at any time in any of the nine gifts. But I also think that there are certain people who tend to operate in certain gifts more. And this is where you see Paul say, do all have gifts of healing? Do all work miracles? Do all speak in tongues? Do all prophesy? Are all prophets? And the answer is no. Not everybody functions in them regularly. Some people get certain gifts that they tend to function in more regularly, but everybody could be available and open and honestly should be seeking to be available and open for everything because here's the thing. Sometimes people don't need a word of prophecy. Sometimes people need a healing in their body. And sometimes people don't need a tongue. They need a demon cast out of them. I mean, that's just true. I know some of you don't like that. It's just normal Christianity. It's the truth. I mean, I've met with people. When I've met with them, I've known. What I don't need in this situation is a word of prophecy. I need an anointing to address what's going on on the inside of them. You know what I'm saying? So, so there's, there's, there, there's these elements. Somebody said, you know, sometimes when you speak about these things, you can even sense a little bit of tension because not every... They, these are not things that every church you go to they're going to be talking about. You understand that? Yep. And, and, and I'm kind of at that point where it's just like, I feel the Lord saying, Clay, the time is short. The world's wrapping up. And we can either go or we can sit here and stay and be swallowed up. And you have to decide which one you want to be with because it's easy to go to a, in your mind, normal church or be a normal Christian. I, I want you to be a really normal Christian. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, functioning and operating in the gifts that God has given you because He wants you to reach people so that they can actually be saved, they can actually be healed, they can actually be delivered. And you would be amazed at what God can do through you if you will simply believe. 
If you'll simply believe. This is not something for people out here that are crazy. This is for believers. He says it's for believers. I remember, uh, well, I mean, again, I always go back to the same thing, but I remember when I first became a Christian, I was, Barb, I talk about it all the time, but the first time I prayed for somebody believing for healing, I'd been praying, I'd been fasting, I'd been seeking God, but I wanted to see God do what He said the Scripture did. Like, I could lay hands on my sick, on sick people and they can recover. So I went testing it out. How am I going to read, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and not test it out? Have you all ever thought about that? It's like, how are you going to read that and then never lay hands on anybody? Now, we have to at least test it to see if it's real or not. And so I tested it, and that, that messed me up because it worked first time. Amen. Now, I've got to be honest with you, it don't work all the time. Matter of fact, I'm probably batting somewhere around, I don't know, 10%, if that. You know what I'm saying? I prayed for a lot. I prayed for people and they die within the week. Somebody said, don't pray for me. <laughs> my point being is it's, it's not about my batting average. It's about being obedient to the Lord. Yeah. I can't produce anything anyway. So I'm putting up my cell and I'm following the Spirit and I'm saying, Lord, I'm open to anything. If I go into this hospital room and I feel something, praise God. If I go into this hospital room and I don't feel a thing, I'm praying for them anyway. And I'm praying with faith, and I'm praying with boldness. And if they don't make it, it don't matter. It's in the Lord's hands. That's it. He's sovereign over all. But I know He's given us gifts of the Spirit that we are, we, are, we are to take risks to step out into in these things. And so certain gifts people use. Now here's the thing. When we talk about prophets in the Old Testament, do you realize that there, were, there was a school of the prophets for a reason? They had a school of the prophets. And if you notice, when prophets were called, what would they say? Like Jeremiah, he, he talked to Jeremiah, he was just a boy. And, and God says, Jeremiah, hey, Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, well, I see a, a, a seething pot headed toward the north. north. Sometimes people say, well, that sounds weird. Why would somebody get up and say they see these weird things? Have you read the Bible? I mean, they see the weirdest things ever. I saw seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. That's Scripture. Yeah. So, the Bible's weirder than we are in a good way. It really is in a good way. So, so then, and then, and then uh, Samuel called to be a prophet. Samuel, Samuel. He got up. He thought it was Eli. What's up? What me? Go back to bed. Samuel, Samuel. He got up. Eli, what's up? What me? Go back to bed. Must be the Lord. Pay attention. Put your cell up. Put your cell up. Because God is trying to teach you how to hear, but you're not listening. God is trying, man, that right there, listen to what I just said. God is trying to teach you how to hear, but you are not listening. And some of you have had dreams because God is trying to speak to you, but you're not listening in the daytime. Man. And then you wake up and you have that dream and you think, well, that's just weird. And you don't even think about it again. Now, some, some dreams are just weird. Don't think every dream is from the Lord because they ain't. You, but here's the thing. Through practice and through discernment over the years, you just know. I have dreams and I immediately wake up and I'm like, that's just pizza and the magnesium I took last night. <laughs> but some dreams I wake up and I'm like, that's the Lord. I'm writing it down because the Lord's trying to speak something to me. Right? Yeah. Or I wake up and that's the devil and I take him into another room and I let him have it. Yeah. Wow. 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 Amen. 
Here's the thing. The devil messes with me just like anybody else. But I'm going to tell you something. If he messes with me, he's going to get the sword. Somebody amen me on that. You need to get that kind of attitude sometimes. If he messes with you, give him the sword. Take him to another room. Start pulling scripture out all over the place. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. He says, he says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Why would anybody forbid it? Because it's weird. But he says, hey, don't forbid it. He says, matter of fact, desire earnestly to prophesy. Then he says about prophecy, he says, verse 1, chapter 14, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially what? That you may prophesy. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Or literally, if a man prays in tongues privately, he builds himself up. But when he comes into the church, he can speak to the church, not in tongues, but in a known language, and it edifies the church. He said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. That's strange. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than, the one who spe- than, than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So he's saying when we have the spiritual gifts, the main thing we're trying to do is build up the church. And this is why he says, like, you need, he said, I wish you all spoke in tongues because privately if you do that, you edify yourself. But when you come into the church, I'd rather you speak five words in a known language than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So tongues, tongues has its place, but he says if it's in the church, the best way for it to function in the church is for somebody to give a message and it be interpreted so it'll build up the church. But he says privately speak in tongues all you want to because you'll edify yourself. Then you'll come into the church built up, ready to build others up. Y'all receive that tonight? That's, it's good. So let me say this. He goes on 1 Corinthians 14, 24. This is the spirit of prophecy because here's the thing. I be, now, you can believe what you want to believe. I believe there are New Testament prophecies. The scripture says that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Jesus Christ functioned in all of those roles. He was an apostle. He was a prophet. He was an evangelist. He was a teacher and he was a good shepherd. And when God, when Jesus ascended on high, he distributed all of those aspects of himself to ministers so that they could equip the saints so that the saints could be endued with power of the Spirit to do ministry in the world. It's a beautiful thing, really. And so some people are prophets. Some people are functioning in a gift of prophecy but then sometimes there is a spirit of prophecy. And what I mean by that, I think one of the times that I experienced this the most, Gina, you were here. You remember when we had that Friday night prayer service? There's probably like 20 or 30 of us here. And there were people walking all over the room. Just, it, was like, it was literally like the spirit of prophecy was in the room. Anybody that walked into the room could have got a word. That's what it felt like. But here's the thing. You had people with one mind and one accord. You didn't have a bunch of people doubting and naysaying and saying, I don't know about this. You had a bunch of people hungry for the Lord, seeking God, and the Lord said, this is a place that I can move. And then he, and then he falls down in here, and, and people were just sitting there praying for hours, and, and the word of the Lord just starts to move, move to people. And people start moving in that. And so here's, what, here's the spirit of prophecy. It says, 
1 Corinthians 14, 24, but if I'll prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. I love that verse. He said, he's basically saying, now when you come into the church, he said, if all of y'all speak in tongues, will they not say that you're out of your mind? He said, but if all of you start prophesying and you actually start getting a word from the Lord and the secrets of people's hearts are revealed and they are convicted and they are convinced, man, God is in this place. He says, they'll fall down on their face and worship God and say, God is truly among you. You know, maybe we don't see it in that same way, but you know, just in a regular church service where somebody speaks an anointed word, I've heard person after person say, you cannot believe how the Lord spoke to me this morning. And it's nothing outrageous. It's just normal living in the Spirit and saying, here's what the, here's what the Lord's telling me right now. This is what, how, how God's speaking to me. So here, I'm, I'm going to try to skip through some of this, but Joel 2, 28 through 32. I want you to pay attention to this because this is a powerful prophecy about the times we're living in. And it shall come to pass afterward. And, and Peter even said, In the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Right? Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so he's talking about, he, he goes on and talks about what's going to happen later. I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the blood to moon before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. This is right before Jesus Christ comes. And he says, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance as the Lord has said, among the remnant of, the, of whom the Lord calls. So he's saying in the last days, in the time after the Spirit is poured out, you're going to see men and women, young men, young women, they're going to be giving divinely inspired utterance from the Lord. They're going to be empowered to speak on behalf of the Lord. And what you're going to see is people calling on the name of the Lord and being saved. And not only that, there's going to be great deliverance. People will be set free from the bondage of the things that they are in. And so he's prophesying about this in our times. In the last days, there's going to be an increase in prophetic perception and activity during the church age. And see, really, when Jesus talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he says it's a prophetic ministry. He says when the Holy Spirit comes, he says he will show you things to come. He will guide you into all truth. He will bring things to your remembrance. You know, when the Spirit comes on me, what's so funny is I don't know what I'm going to say, but I start to speak, and you know what happens? Things are brought to my remembrance, and it just it's like a flow. Jesus said it would be like a river. So I'm not trying to manufacture it. I've learned to yield. The Lord sometimes will give me a name for a person. I have no idea what I'm going to say to them, and I give the name, the person comes up, and once I speak to them, then it flows out. But it doesn't... See, if you wait till you have it before you give it, you may never give it. Yeah. Man, that's tough, isn't it? Yeah. That's why it says, let him who prophesies prophesy according to the proportion of faith. So you have to pray and let the Spirit teach you and learn. Amen. I don't know if this is good or not now. I'm just going to question it. Can I are we still okay? Have I got about, give me five minutes. So yeah, a guy named Ernest B. Gentile, he said this. Is this cool? I'm going to read this to you. It says, the Old Testament prophet, however, has given place to the New Testament Christian who may experience various degrees of prophetic activity. 
Instead of a few select men and women giving earth-shaking prophecies of eternal proportions, we have the entire people of God, the church as a community of prophetic people who are mutually filled with the Holy Spirit and called upon to judge and evaluate each other's spiritual manifestations. All who prophesy in the local church are not inspired with totally inerrant utterances and thoughts, which is what I've said. First, there can be false prophecy, and this, of course, can be troublesome for the local congregation. But in addition, there can be impure prophecy, weak prophecy, and sloppy prophecy given by sincere but untrained people. Also, the content of good prophecy must be evaluated in terms of whether the utterance of message is inspired in general content or exact wording. In our local churches, we have sincere people of all social levels from every culture, both male and female, all experiencing the presence of God in a personalized way. In this setting, each Christian, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brings comfort, exhortation, and edification to all of the other members of the body of Christ. To build a prophetic church, therefore, requires the mutual cooperation of the congregation. In this setting, each Christian, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brings co- I said that already. The possibility exists that any Christian can prophesy in his local church worship service. This category, as I perceive it, is not the gift of prophecy, but rather an immediate spiritual manifestation that allows the person to share a burst of inspiration that will scatter Christ's love and blessing upon the church. And sometimes, what he's saying is sometimes people will be inspired simply say, can I get up and testify? And they'll get up and they'll they'll have tears in their eyes and they feel in that moment that the Lord wants them to share that. But guess what? It's not just them giving a testimony. It's prophetic in nature. It's speaking to something that somebody's going through. And so, so that's what he's saying. There's moments where this bursts through in people and, and it, God divinely inspires them by the Spirit to bring something forth that's going to build up the body or speak directly into a situation. Now I'm going to give four quick words and I'm done. I know, y'all are like, man, I'm trying to get home. There's a few, there's 14 Hebrew words linked to prophet or prophesy or prophetess in the Old Testament. I want to give you four and then I'm going to quit. Number one is Nabal. And it's 113 times in Scripture. It means to prophesy or to speak up or sing by inspiration in prediction of simple discourse. But literally it means to bubble up, gush forth, or to pour forth. So literally an idea or something will start to bubble up in you and you just sense, man, I feel like I need to speak to this person. Or I feel like I need to say something. Secondly is nataf, to ooze, to distill gradually like drops of rain, literally. So like when I get it, it just it comes gradually like it's dropping down into me. It just, it's not something that I already have and I've written it out. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, it's spontaneous, but it drops and it's like a, fro, a flow that bubbles up or it just starts to drop in inspiration. Kazah, it means to gaze at, mentally perceive, contemplate, to have a vision of, behold, or see. So again, some people, when, they, when the gift of prophecy is working, in their mind's eye, they see something. They, get, they, they catch a vision of something. And that leads them into a place where they can speak directly into a person's life or some situation based on what they see. And ra'ah is kind of the same thing. To see, advise, self, appear, approve, behold, consider, discern, gaze, whatever. So God can sometimes give you mental pictures. Anybody you ever felt like you've been praying and God gives you a mental picture about something and then ends up speaking directly into a situation? So you learn to be sensitive to these things, right? 
So we did a, we did a, we've done something called a lab night before where we, where we had people, it's a little bit late, but, uh, <laughs> but let's just take a, let's just take a moment here. Because here's the thing, the Lord may want to just want to just speak to you directly. So I'm not I'm not asking you to to uh, necessarily give something out loud at this point or whatever. But just take a moment. Let's just pray for a moment. He wants to share something. I really don't like when the Lord tells me to come talk because I'd rather sing. <laughs> but I've just been feeling all night that the Lord was like, "You're gonna go and you're gonna tell a testimony about what happened to you." So this testimony is back literally when I was in high school and I was about to graduate and I was not following the Lord. If you would have asked me if I was a Christian, I would have been like the oh yeah, Bible belt, of course, but I was not following the Lord in any way. And I was about to go into college and I was like, well, I don't really know what I want to do, but maybe I should pray about it because that was the way that I was raised. So I remember praying maybe here or there, just like, Lord, would you just give me a sign of what I'm supposed to do or whatever that you want me to do, and not even really, like, meaning it genuinely or truly expecting anything, but so time went on a couple weeks, and it was the summertime, and we were in Ohio for uh, getting custody of my nephews, so it was super random, and I was sitting down in this courtroom, and I seen a nurse walk in and sit down beside of me, and I didn't think anything of it. I just was like, okay, cool. She's in her scrubs, whatever. Like, she's here for something, too. So I go to the bathroom just so randomly, and uh, I notice that this woman walks in behind me, and I'm washing my hands, and she's getting paper towels. Like, it's so random. I'm like, what is this woman doing? And she looks at me. She turns and looks at me. She said, can I hug you? And I'm like, sure. Okay. Like, a complete stranger and I'm like okay I mean what am I gonna say no so I hug her and this woman just holds me in her arms and she said Jesus told me to come in here and to tell you that he has plans for your life and that you just need to trust him and just walk with him and that he is going to show you the way exactly where you're supposed to be and she just went on and just began to just like prophesy all of these things over my life and whenever she was done I just said thank you. I was just dumbfounded. I had no idea what to say. And she was like, you're welcome. And I just walked out. And we both sat in the lobby and we never talked about it ever again. And just to this day, like that just wrecks my world because not only did it show me what I was supposed to do with my life, I went through nursing school and like that was so cool. But the Lord met me in a moment that I didn't even really know him, but he was still seeking me out and he still chose to show me how much he loved me and that he had plans for me even when I was in the world he still had plans for me and I didn't know it but a year less than a year later the Lord would make me come home from college because of COVID and he completely wrecked my world and because of that like I follow the Lord now my whole life is different and not only am I like a nurse now which is so cool but that means nothing compared to knowing him compared to that moment of just being touched by him so so deeply and so I just wanted to share that the Lord has been telling me all night that I had to so I hope that speaks to someone and just that even if you are far from the Lord the Lord is drawing you in it's bigger than a career it's bigger than even a word it's it's your life and so yeah the Lord loves you all thank you that's a perfect example of what we're talking about but you know the Lord the Lord does love you once you stand to your feet how many of you feel like when we, when we took a minute, like maybe the, the Lord dropped something in your spirit for another person? One person? Here's the thing. 
I want you to start, you know, the, the scripture tells us to desire earnestly, right? To, you, to desire it, to seek for it, to ask the Lord for it. And so I can't tell you the number of times, you know, and some, like I said, sometimes nothing happens, but that's not the point. The point is, is that we have our sail up to the Holy Spirit on. So if I'm praying in the morning, I'm open. Lord, there's somebody that I can encourage today. There's somebody that I can send a text message to. And just being sensitive to what the Lord is saying in that regard. And, and you'd be uh, amazed at what the Lord would do to use you to speak into a situation for somebody just to strengthen them. And that's why he says to earnestly desire these gifts, especially that you may prophesy that you'll hear a word from the Lord and be able to give somebody that word to encourage them, to, to strengthen them in their faith. But I'm just, I'm just going to pray for us all and, and dismiss. And then here's the thing. If you still want prayer after I dismiss, <clears throat> you can come up and we'll pray. Or if you feel like you uh, want to pray for somebody else there, just, just get, grab them and tackle them after we get done. But would you just lift your hands to the Lord and let's just ask Him to, to, to pour out into us everything that He wants to. So Lord, we've heard your word tonight, God, and, and, and that's, that's our foundation, God. We're not trying to get into anything that is beyond what you have given us through your word. Because that's the foundation and the truth on which we stand. And so, Lord, we're asking you tonight to fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, because you want to use us. And there's people out there in our world around us, God, that they need us to be bold witnesses. There's people, Lord God, that need your salvation. And, Lord, I pray that you would make that salvation so real to us. God, that, that it would burn in our hearts when we're around people who need it so that we couldn't hold it back, God, that it would be like a fire that's shut up in our bones like Jeremiah where we had to tell somebody about how you saved us and about how you changed our hearts and about how you made us new. And God, that it would pour forth because that's the greatest real measure of prophecy. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and it made them witnesses. It made them boldly speak about the love of Jesus Christ for the world when He came and died for our sins. And so, Lord, fill us with your spirit and make us bold witnesses. And God, if you can put a little extra on it, a little extra sauce and allow us, give us words of knowledge for people and words of wisdom for people and words of encouragement. And God, even put us in situations where we get to pray for the sick and your power shows up, God, and you heal them, Lord. And, and people that are dealing with mental issues and struggling, God, that, that, that you would bring deliverance into their life and freedom into their life. Lord, we ask you to fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and your word say, Says that if we ask anything according to your will, God, you'd give it to us. And your word says that if good fathers know how to give good things to their children and they're evil, how much more will he give it the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so, Lord, we're asking you right now, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Use us all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.